rotten motherfucker. <laughs> Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most Harmless Podcast. I'm your host, Damn It, Damien. Uh, now, what you just witnessed was the debut of our new theme song by Boner Party. That's right. The band is called Boner Party. That recorded that. Uh, it's my old roommate Jared's. I guess side project. I don't know. Jared got married. He got his uh, balls locked up in a vice, and all he does is sit down in his garage and record silly little songs. And he decided that I needed a theme song. Now I've known Jared since we were both eighteen-year-old little shitheads. Uh, he was my roommate in Colorado Springs when we first moved here from Shreveport. I'm pretty sure that I tried to kill him a few times. Uh, those blackout angry memories are. A little hazy. No, we lived together. We hated each other. And now we're best friends again. And now he and he even invited me to be in his wedding for some strange fucking reason. Uh, but he was kind enough to record this uh, this theme song for me. He's formerly of a band called Raised Under Reagan from Shreveport and then located relocated to uh, Los Angeles via Colorado Springs. Now he's in a band called Heidi Askew. They're kind of a 90s rock revival thing in the vein of like the toadies kind of stuff. And uh, he's also in a pop punk band called Right the Ship. Uh, check all those out. I'll have links over at mostlyhomelesspodcast.com. Uh, now, today we have a very special sponsor on today's episode. Now, our sponsor is Tonks.org Coffee. Uh, now, Tonks is kind of like the Netflix of coffee. You don't get to choose what you want, but it's a coffee subscription service. I came across these guys because they had a really, really good pitch, pitch like ad thing when they first started. Um, I just read they had a bunch of comic strips on the website explaining why coffee should be great and how you should make coffee great. And I signed up and been a huge fan ever since they've sent me a few, uh, free coffees and I felt like, uh, giving those guys a shout out. They're not an official sponsor, but they might as well be because, well, they're fucking awesome. They sent me a bunch of free coffee and I really like it. Uh, so the deal with Tonks is you pay a flat fee, a flat subscription rate. And these guys, they jet set all over the world hand-picking the finest coffees. They bring them back to California. They hand-roast them there in California by hand, with their own hands. There's only like three guys that work there, and they do it. No, I don't, even, I don't know if they do it all by hand or not. Um, but, yeah, they fly all over the country. They find the best coffees in the world, and then they ship them. They, they roast them right then and there and ship them right to your door. You get them in like a couple of days, and they ship them via USPS. So they're keeping the men and women of America employed and working and they're keeping the mail and coffee coming straight to our doors uh, normally before i do an intro i'm either shit face drunk or i'm wired as fuck on coffee i'm a little under the weather this week that's why this episode's uh taking so long for me to get up is that i'm kind of sick you can kind of tell my voice is hoarse it's like one o'clock in the morning and i know i got to get this thing up otherwise i'd be wired out of my goddamn mind on tonks coffee uh, my preferred method of choice is the french press uh, there's several other factors and several other ways you can try it i mean hey the drip the you know old fashioned coffee drip machine that works fine i love the fucking french press it loves me a little too much because then i drink a pot of the french press and then i can't sit still for the rest of the day and then i'll get in goddamn work done uh, so, anyway, thank you, Tonks.org, for the free coffee and sponsoring today's episode. Please check them out, T-O-N-X.org, T-O-N-X.org. Uh, tell them Damien from Most Unharmless Podcast sent you. Uh, so, yeah, today's a very special episode. Every episode's a special episode of the Most Unharmless Podcast because you get to spend like an hour with me, and what's better than that? Hush. Um, so, yeah, today we talked to Mr. Corey Brandon. Uh, now, Corey, I've known for, goddamn, probably about four, four and a half years. Do you ever really know somebody, especially a musician, when you only see him like once every here and there? Uh, but no, I mean, uh, one of the biggest, the first big show I ever threw when I was running the uh, Triple Nickel Tavern here in Colorado Springs, it was uh, Drag the River full band it was the first full band show in quite some time. It was the first show that Steve Bauer played drums with uh, Drag the River. Uh, Corey Brandon and a little pop punk band called banner pilot that just happened to be crisscrossing through and they actually had the day first and then when uh we let them open the show up they're great great dudes and i'm really happy for those guys success they've never come back to colorado Springs since maybe they're a little bit bummed that <laughs> we made them open the drag of the river show no i just think it's the way the world works again i'm sick so i apologize guys for not being as uh intimate and out of control as I normally am, but hey, fuck it, this is DIY internet radio. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I kind of sort of met Corey Brandon that night. Um, and then just over the years, Corey would come every like six, six to nine months, play triple nickel, and uh, we kind of got to be pretty good acquaintances. I was excited to do this because I probably shouldn't even tell this story, but it was one of these times that Corey, Corey had just broken up with his girlfriend, and she started dating a somewhat famous 
film director. And obviously, Corey's got a lot of, you know, I mean, that's that's pretty like he was like dude i get it i'd probably dump me for that dude too he makes good movies and uh we sat at the triple nickel and this is a dude i barely know when we sat at the triple nickel waiting for the show to get started actually and uh he just goes on and on and on for like half an hour about about this girlfriend about life the universe and everything and he's just that southern kind of guy that once you get him going he'll just keep talking and that's what i was really excited about for this episode here today um and that's that's pretty much what we bring it to. I mean, we talk about his new album, Mutt, comes out on Bloodshot Records on May 22nd. Um, we're going to play a couple songs off that record today, too. Uh, and it, we caught up with him, the Re- Revival Tour in Denver. It's fantastic to see how far that guy's gone from just playing, you know, Triple Nickel Tavern to, you know, playing a huge show at the Summit Music Hall in Denver, Colorado with Chuck Reagan, Joe Ginsburg, Nathaniel Maxwell, Tommy Gable. This guy's come a long way. And now he's coming out with a record on Bloodshot Records. It's the same label that pretty much kind of helped. Ryan, we talk about this in the interview. Like Ryan Adams was on the label. His debut solo album came out on Bloodshot. You know, Bloodshot's got Lydia Loveless. And I'm a little too tired to think of all the other bands that got on that. God damn, I am getting sick because I'm getting lightheaded and dizzy just rambling on in this microphone. So we're not going to ramble too much more. But uh, we sat down on the bus, the Revival Tour tour bus. Uh, in the background, you can hear people coming in and out of the bus. Those guys are like Joe Ginsburg, Chuck Reagan, Nathaniel Radcliffe, all make kind of guest appearances stumbling through while me and Corey are BSing into my little microphone recorder thing. I'd like to thank those guys for letting me invade their space. Again, Bloodshot Records is May 22nd. The album's called Mutt. It's Corey Brandon. I'm just going to go ahead and play a song off that album. Uh, that song is called Bad Man. Off the album Mutt, coming out on Bloodshot Records, May 22nd, Corey Brandon, Bad Man. Let's just go into it. Let's just play that thing. And then stay tuned afterwards. I'm going to ramble a little bit more, and we're going to play uh, play another tune for you guys. All right, buddies, here we go. Cool. 
It'll be all over the entire middle school I mean, you know The scene When they say I'm a bad man You can say I bet he makes A better bad man I bet he makes A better bad man My baby makes A better bad man Than you do good So I'm on the uh, Revival tour bus with uh, Mr. Corey Brandon. Corey Brandon, how you doing, man? I'm all right. Doing good. Yeah, so you got a uh, new album coming out on Bloodshot Records. May 22nd. May 22nd. Are you finally excited about it? I know it's oh, been in the yeah. can for a long I'm time. I'm stoked. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good to see it finally coming to fruition. How long, how long has it been in the can? Uh, it's been done and mastered for a year and a half at least. Uh, but, I mean, I cut it uh, a couple years ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know how that just takes... Takes forever to get something out, sometimes. But uh, yeah, Bloodshot came along. So we started talking to them at the end of last year, and uh, signed on right at the end of last year. What took so long? Uh, labels, labels are morons. You know? <laughs> <laughs> They're chicken shits, you know, for the most part. Labels are chicken shit, and blood, you know, Bloodshot's got a pair. So cool. <laughs> Actually, I don't. I can't think of any nicer way to say that. I just I had a lot of labels that were just lowballing, and said they'd do this and. You know, but they weren't, you know, they're, I think that the record's just a few too many different things. I think labels want one thing. Right, right, right. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a hard time for everybody. It's a hard okay. time for labels. But they never wanted to take a risk in the first place, most labels. And this de- this record's definitely a risk, I think. Yeah, it's uh, called Mutt, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Mutt. And May 22nd. May 22nd. Man, that's coming up quick. Yeah. Totally. Are you nervous? Happy? Excited? Stoked. It's yeah. like a little kid coming. Yeah, yeah. Um... So, uh, w- you recorded, what, a year and a half ago? Is that what you just uh, said? No, maybe in two, two years. Two years? Uh, summer of uh, 2010. You did it in what, San Francisco? Yeah, yeah, I did it on a place called Closer Studios out there in San Francisco. What was that uh, recording process like for this album? Um, well, I went out there, um, we were talking to someone that was going to produce it, and uh, that ended up not working out, but uh, my buddy, uh, John Murray, sort of pieced together a band and, you know, introduced me to the studio. And I liked the studio so much, and the engineer Tim Mooney, uh, from drummer for American Music Club. Okay. I liked it so much out there. I just stayed out there and said, oh, "Hell, I can produce a damn thing." Yeah. <laughs> Do you produce your own record? Uh, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah! Good for you. Yeah, yeah. First one I've done. Do you like having that newfound level of creative control? It was great. I mean, I always sort of had it because I was working with Jeff Powell on my first two, uh-huh. and he was an engineer slash producer, and so it was real open and loose, and. Uh, but yeah, yeah, being able to, for better or worse, not have anybody to tell me no. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about how it sounds different. Uh, Bloodshot sent me over a link. I got to listen to it. I listened to it about five times in the last 24 hours. And uh, at first, it's a little, it catches you a little off guard. Because I've been listening to so many uh, live recordings of this of these songs. Mm-hmm. Going from that into listening to the studio versions of it. It's, it's a completely different beast. Oh, absolutely. It's, I never you, hear them. You know, strip down acoustic. I never hear them like that. When I, even when I write them, I don't hear them like that. So, you know? so is there a conscious decision to keep the two separate, completely separate beings? Kind of uh, reminds me of like Harry Potter the movie and the novel. How there's differences. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the song opens up with just me and a guitar, and mm-hmm. you know, Snodgrass singing. Um, that one's pretty much how I play it uh, live. But yeah, there's. Uh, I just you know I hear them different ways. Uh, Do you hear them the full? Absolutely. Huge when you're playing them live up there by yourself. Oh no, 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 no. that's different. Yeah, the shows, the live shows are different. And then you know some of these tours, sporting this record, I will have a band. You know, oh nice. Um, but uh, yeah, who's going to be in that band? Anybody? I'm not anybody sure know? who it's going to be. It might be my boys at Thirstall Cowboys. I love oh, those guys. They're great. Good dudes. Uh, who knows? I, I keep trying to get. Uh, 
Roger Hoover and the, his band uh, Magpies come out of retirement, semi-retirement. Nice. But uh, I don't know. I've been talking about maybe getting Glossary trying to back me out on the road. There's, there's lots of great bands out there that I would think sort of just... They already have their own sound. It's instead of a hassle of building a band from the ground up, just get a right. band that's already great, and then just <laughs> and it's like, hey, let's play I mean, these songs. I mean, it's worked with Austin. Austin's got Glossary backing him on tours now. And I never got to see great. any of that. I would I'm, love to see it. I'm gonna go see it next week. Yeah, tell I'm them all I said hello. I will. Um, so, so with this album sitting on the shelf for essentially a year and a half, were you afraid of these songs getting stale, or you changing them so much drastically, playing them live? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I. It is what it is. Yeah, I just I write songs, and usually uh, nowadays, as soon as you play it, and some jerk off with his you know phone, it's out there. It might as well be released. You know, I get people that come back singing songs that I just wrote last week. You know, and it's like, what do you? How did you find? Oh, the internet. Oh, okay, and so it's, but it's fun. It has its own uh, own life to a song. Yeah, there are songs that are pretty much standards of mine that I've never even gotten near being recorded. <laughs> you know, it's like that people know. So, uh, for better or worse, I mean, but now that you know that I'm on Bloodshot, it will be a record every you know year and a half. So Good. we'll be getting some of the back catalog, a lot of the new stuff. <laughs> I, you know, I've got I could put three out right now, but uh, of course I won't want to. I'll be wanting to put all the ones that I just wrote yeah. out. So one thing I I, I keep finding, uh, I think it was Brian Mann, your agent, was running uh, my, my your old former former manager. manager. Yeah, he, he was running your uh, Facebook page for a while and. He'd be like, "Hey, look! There's another Corey Brannon like live show on archive.org or whatever the website is, and mm-hmm. there's some good like uh, the ardent sessions and stuff like that of the some of the newer songs, completely different ways than they are in the new album, and it's great. Like yeah. it's it's fun. It kind of reminds me of like the old Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings records where you, you get just completely different takes on you know some of the classics and older songs. I don't know in you get to do it in your own way while still being contemporary, I yeah. guess. Something along those lines. Well, and also, those so things like the Arden Sessions, those things are great, but those weren't recordings. They just called them the sessions. That was a podcast, basically, yeah, where yeah. I play guitar. It just happened to be in a great studio. Right. But, I mean, it was just a... One, it might as well have been a live show. It's just, yeah. you know... It's just basically a bootleg. And, and I, I enjoy that, and people like that. Yeah. And one day I will do, a, you know... When I finally did a live record, a couple records down the road, I'd like to do a double live record with one of them, you know, which is me telling the stupid moron stories and playing acoustic guitar, and then the other one working up the bigger, you know, arrangements. Uh, you already have a live album, though, a live cassette, I should say. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the, the cassette. La- uh, that's long out of print, isn't it? Oh, yeah, they didn't make hardly any of those, and yeah, that was like, a weird night. That was the night that Obama spoke, and they closed down the the, uh, oh, wow. the uh, interstates, and so nobody yeah. could get to the gig. <laughs> I got. I have the cassette tape somewhere. I think it came with a download card, but I don't have a download for it anywhere. Yeah. But it's a good. What I remember it was good. But uh, uh, I never could listen to it. It was a bad night. I was sick. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's some good stuff on archive.org that's just like fuck yeah. Like uh, I think it's not called summertime anymore. It's called yesterday. I guess. Yeah, yesterday. That's on there. Circus summer. Some circus summer eighty something. Yeah, it's great. That's that's probably my favorite song. Wow. Oh. And that's the one that's like play that Johnny Cougar Mellencamp song <laughs> immediately you're like yeah I know yep you got it buddy yeah. um, so it, it, and then while I'm talking about it, like this album kind of every song on it has a different feel like it, and like you were saying a minute ago it's not just one thing it's so many other it, it reminds me of those older albums from back in the day where you got these guys playing such different takes on different songs on a complete record was there a conscious decision to play do that or yeah absolutely and not uh, not so much um to have them start contrast from each other but there was definitely a conscious decision to go where each song wanted to go regardless of the other ones because they do form a, a, a sort of a story um because i picked them out of you know a large batch of songs because they went together sort of mm-hmm. they weren't written consecutively but i I'm, i just saw how the themes worked and how it went and, and I don't know. It's not like a really cerebral thing. It just naturally, organically happened. But uh, but yeah, the songs were recorded with no. Uh, they just with the, with what I think they needed. Just only looking at the song, not so much looking at you know the the order of them or how it's going to gel with the record. Just recording what I think the song needed to be, and then putting them together. I like stark contrast like that. Well, and it, and it, I, at first, I'm not gonna lie. Like the first, probably two times I listened to it, I was like, "Man, 
I don't know if I like this, but by the fourth time, it, it had grown on me, and it was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, there's a reason it for it. There's a reason for the way I ordered it in the end. And it's very structured. Um, the, the themes come up again. The, uh, the stories are inverted. Um, they're the same situation on, on four different songs. Uh, two repeating situations that have different, completely different outcomes. Uh, yeah, it's... it's it's all in there, and I actually have written, I changed some of the lyrics here and there to, imp, imp, uh, you know, emphasize that. But it's, it's subtle, you know. It's, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. So yeah, it's definitely uh, the first. It's the first album I've ever done. It's the first record I've ever done. Right. You know, even the last one I called twelve songs to emphasize the fact <laughs> that it's just twelve damn songs. This this is definitely meant to go together if not aesthetically then at least uh, thematically and, and you've had like a year and a half to marinate on it are you are you happy with the end result oh yeah oh yeah I'm real proud so of stoked. it I mean yeah, I, yeah. I know I talked to you at one point you're like I'm not going to put it out until it's ready with the right backing and the right people yeah so I mean that, that says a lot about you being committed to it yeah yeah it was completely. worth sitting on I didn't want to just throw it against the wall and mm-hmm. like the last one the one before that you know just went out with no Went out with nothing, no, right. nothing behind it, no tour, no ads, anything, and it just sort of disappeared. <laughs> it was very, very heartbreaking. So. When did you do uh, Letterman? Like I've seen the video. Jesus, that's uh, nine years ago. Yeah, did that have any Eight like, or nine good propellant ago. on any nah. any of the stuff? Nah, mm-hmm. no, I didn't have the tour in place. Didn't have anything in place. And matter of fact, if anything, it burnt me more. And, and, and I mean, it was great. It was great. Stories right. for the kids. But it, anything people look at it and say, oh, well, this guy had a shot. You know, he had everything in place and he blew it or something went wrong. And it's like, it's like well, nothing went wrong. We just had to kill our publicist. And she got us all this inappropriate publicity. <laughs> she was great. And, I mean, Letterman was luck. He, you know, she got the stuff to him. And he, I only got to go on because he liked the song himself. He put it on his load-in music. And was like, yeah, bring the kid on. And like, first, like, independent, truly, like, not subsidiary, like, like independent artists in, like, seven years that they had on there. And so it was a kind of a coup. It was great. But... <laughs> As far as, you know, it looks like there was some big push, you know, that didn't, and it wasn't anything. It was, it was a good publicist. It was a small, small label in Memphis, and there was no tour in place. There was no, there were no ads. It was, it was, it was a real, I mean, it was a big learning curve with that label. Uh, nice dudes, but it just didn't work out. Cool. And now you're on Bloodshot. Yeah, stoked. How exciting, because those guys, like, those, did those guys break Ryan Adams, or uh, was... Well, you know, he was big in Whiskey Town and everything, but that was his first solo record was on there, yeah, yeah, and that was huge for them. And now huge. you're you're a part of that rich history, is it, is that inci- exciting or intimidating? Or uh, No, it's exciting, I mean, you know, it's not that intimidating, they're real nice folks, you know, mm-hmm. they're real, you know, we're going to do this, we say we're going to do this, and it'll happen, you know, yeah. and I've talked to... Justin Townsend, he has only the nicest thing to say about him, and I, you know, I asked around. No, good, seemed yeah. like a good, solid, matter of fact label. Yeah. And they got like Lydia Loveless on there now. She's great. And Saw her down in South good stuff. Yeah, Ha Ha Tonka. They got, they got a bunch of stuff rocking. Yeah. So, so what are you going to do with this new record? I mean, obviously you're going to tour constantly once you find this new band. Um, well, not just with a new band. I'll be touring well, solo, too. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. you're about to go to Europe with John, right? Do that, right? When it comes out, go up to do that Pooza Fest and then and then go to Europe. And then I come back and I do a five-week run, four or five-week run with Audra May nice. in the States. And then I do, uh, Chuck asked me to do the uh, UK. That's, of course, that's later in the year of the UK Revival Tour. Nice. Um, later on. You seem to do pretty good in Europe, Um well, that was the only time I'd been. This, this, that's the time before John and Chad, and it went over really well. People were great, and uh, Austin, yeah, Austin was on that too, right? Yeah, Austin and Chloe. Yeah, yeah, I love Chloe. Too. Yeah. Everybody loves Chloe. Yeah, she's great, <laughs> and they. Uh, so yeah, so it's looking. Uh, I've, I've actually been hearing a lot about this this one I got coming up with John that people are pretty stoked, and so hell, yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to go back. Yeah. I want to try to get over there, you know, twice a year now. I'm trying to keep this a little short. Anyways. But um, so, um, let's let's talk about a. I, I hate to ask what your influence are because that's such a juvenile like first year journalism question. Mm-hmm. But you, you're kind of different in that there's nobody that sounds quite like you out there. I could definitely pick up some imitators here and there now, but like when you fir- when I first found you the first time you played the triple nickel when I was still working there, like there was nobody that sounded anything like you. 
So I'm just curious, like where that comes from. What what were the building blocks into this music style that you've got now? <laughs> I think it comes from not knowing what the hell I'm doing. You know? well, but uh, but I mean, yeah, there are people that I'm huge influenced by. You know, I'm huge. I've said it a bunch. I'm a huge John Prine fan. Mm-hmm. I think that comes out in some of the uh, a little bit here and there. Um, you know. Huge Tom Waits fan. I don't. Yeah, I, don't I definitely hear Tom Waits on the new album. On that yeah, there's the one. And that's actually Tom Waits' horn player playing on oh. three tracks on that record. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's Ralph Carney. Yeah, which so does yeah doesn't hurt the uh, <laughs> the sound of it. Yeah, no, he's great. Um, you know, huge. Uh, I don't know. It'd be. Uh, I love like Delta Blues and stuff like that, but that's not really part of what I do. It is in the finger picking, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a huge mashup, you know, and then it's, I think, comes being from coming from where I came from in Mississippi, but suburbs, you know, at least <laughs> south of Memphis. It's like, I was just a little skate rat, like anybody else, and it's like we just got whatever we got, you know, we got Iron Maiden and Two Live Crew, and, <laughs> and then Minor Threat all at the same time, and we we're just like, what is all that? My parents hate all this. It must be great, <laughs> you know, and, and so it just came piecemeal, and so, um, but yeah, definitely when I started writing songs, which was very late. You know, not until I was almost 25. Wow. Yeah. How old are you now? I'm 37. Wow. Yeah, I'm an old man. <sighs> Wouldn't say that. <laughs> I would. <laughs> Repeatedly. Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? I mean, 25 is late to get into music. Yeah, I, I thought I was going to be an artist when I was in high school. I thought I was going to teach music a little while. Um, you know, I don't know. I didn't want to be anything but drunk and in some girl's arms, you know. I didn't really <laughs> think too far ahead. Uh but yeah, so well, I've really still don't think too far. <laughs> Maybe I kind of want to be a musician when I grow up. Now <laughs> I was gonna ask, are you growing up now? But yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm actually. I'm. I'm. Uh, I stopped. Uh, I stopped uh, seeing the world is revolving around me about you know seven or eight years ago. Nice. I've been growing up for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, you talked about the desire to put out. Eventually, you'll put out an official live album. But um, like, w- what do you talk? About? When people come to see you live, it is a totally, completely different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a definitely a conscious decision. But I mean, um, what do you what do you want people to get from your live shows? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Uh, I don't know. I never thought about it. I just get through them with me. You know, yeah. I, I just I, I try to I try to keep myself involved enough to, to involve other people. I, I, um, I love the storytelling aspect of it. You're like, this song's about the time this... I can't think of any specific... Yeah, because I'm so full of shit terminally. I'm always running <laughs> my mouth. Um, I try not to do that all the time, because after a while it starts to feel kind of... There's story time with Uncle Remus. But, I like uh, that, though. That's like, <laughs> it's a unique thing. Like It's fun it, when it's my own shows. These kind of things, the reviews that need to move along, truck along, right, right. I try to just get up there and do my job and play some songs and yeah. put the stories in the songs. They're there, too. But I got stories about the stories. And then those <laughs> stories remind me of another story. I'm just kind of a southern asshole like I, that. I, I really despise when bands... Like they'll take a break and they'll be like, "This song is called whatever," and then they, they talk nonsense. But you you get up there and you have a per and you say it's bullshit, but it feels like a very purposeful storytelling. Like this song's about the time in summer sixth grade where I was in love with that girl, and I'm making all this up as I go. But, you know, <laughs> but I mean, this could very well be a Corey Brandon song. This girl and the, the lilacs in her drawer that make me think of I don't know. I like that mm. whole aspect. So I'd love a. I know they don't do VH1 storytellers, but if they did. <laughs> You'd be you'd be the first one on the new revival of that show. Um, uh, the la- in like the last time we talked, it was probably South by last year. I didn't go this year, but uh, you were still a rambling man. I don't think you had a place to live. I'm in you Nashville. Just, you're in Nashville. That's your home base now. Yeah. Um, but for, for the longest time, though, you didn't have any place to live. You were just on the road. Well, no, I was. Uh, I left Austin. My father passed, and oh, so okay. I sort of stayed close to home, mm-hmm. but not really. I didn't want to go and just actually move back to Memphis. And so I was pretty much around Memphis and Mississippi, and I would just sort of float here and there. But I just tried to stay close to home when I wasn't on the road mm-hmm. for a while. And uh, but yeah, so that was sort of that. It wasn't just a. It wasn't really a gypsy thing as much as a needing to be around home and then also not needing to be around home yeah. emphasis you know very comfortable and it's easy to sink down into your old habits there yeah um so i mean like being that sort of not really but sticking to the south why do you stick to the south i mean um well it's what you know 
No, I mean, I you know I have lived in L.A. and Brooklyn and Austin and um, you know I, not that we, we don't consider Texas the South. Maybe they consider themselves the. But uh, I've you know I've lived outside of the South a considerable amount of time. But uh, yeah, I mean it's mainly it is close to home. You know, as I get older, I find that I need to have responsibilities with my family and things, and so I need to be kind of close around there. It's great to tour out of there. I love Austin, but Austin, any place you know you can be in Mexico before you can get out of Texas is too far. You know, I I love that's why Memphis is so great. My old man was a jet mechanic there, and that's why FedEx is there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's halfway between New Orleans and Chicago. It's 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 in the middle. Of, it's it's really strategic to tour out of, as is Nashville, and so that's that's one of the approaches to the reason. And I'm in Nashville writing some. Uh, some dumb country radio on the side. <laughs> yeah. Are you doing the songwriting thing for other people? Yeah. yeah. Is that making? I, I I don't want to talk about money, but I, I remember touring with Austin, and he was a uh, he was talking about uh, the guy that wrote Honky Tonk Badunka Dunk. He went on tour with three him. dudes. Took three a holes to write that, but uh, yeah. yeah. But actually, uh, the one guy is a really nice dude. Yeah, and apparently. Incredibly talented, but that's the thing he'll probably forever be known for. So, <laughs> do you have any probably crazy not with him though, because that's uh, that's Jamie Johnson, and he's one of the, right. the new guys that's really singing old country. You know, I really like that guy. Got crazy respect for him. Um, but yeah, him and he, they they are not going to forget he did it. Right, exactly. <laughs> Mind you. But uh, yeah, he's got his own great stuff. Well, I mean, even uh, Willie Nelson wrote that uh, Patsy Klein Was it Patsy Klein song? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Willie started off as a songwriter right, before right. he was, yeah. yeah. So did Merle Haggard, you know, a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. Who have you written for? Uh, oh, no, I haven't. I mean, oh, that's, the, that's the thing. You don't really write for them. You get a publisher, and the publisher pitches it to uh, them, you know. okay. Yeah, it's not really like they come to you, and yeah, it's not how it happens. And, yeah. and I don't have the publisher in place yet. I'm just doing the, the drill. Because I did this, that same thing that Austin did, right. that country throwdown tour. I met a lot of writers and nice folks up there, and I was like, oh, you know what? Might as well throw my hat in that. You know, yeah. pay for my kids' college one day <laughs> when, when 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 I have when I go to college. Uh, how did you get on the uh, that country throwdown tour? I'm not sure. They Dumb saw, luck. They saw me at the Bluebird. Which Bluebird? There's several around the country. Oh, Nashville. The Nashville. Nashville. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, there's one here in Denver. That's why I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. And they saw you there, liked you, and then picked you up. Yeah. Yeah. How, how was it touring with Willie every single day? Oh, no. Willie wasn't on the first one. Oh, he wasn't? No. He was on Austin's one. Yeah. Damn, I'm sorry. Yeah, I got yeah. that confused. No, that's all right. Uh, who, who was on that? That uh, country throwdown well, That was still... Jamie Johnson was on both of them. Right. So he was on that. It was like, uh, like a, a lot of big hat acts, like Montgomery Gentry and yeah. uh, some little big town and stuff like that. Real pop country stuff. Eric Church. Um, uh, Ryan Bingham was on it, though. Oh, yeah. Right. Be- was that before or after he hit in the middle? He was in the middle. He had just won that Oscar or whatever oh, wow. or something. Uh, and then, uh, and, or whatever they give you for a soundtrack. It's, it's Oscar. Yeah. And then, uh, let's see. Yeah, there were a handful cool. of people in there. It was fun. You don't seem to fit in with that crowd. No, and that was kind of why they brought me out, I think. The same way, they, I think the reason they brought Austin Lucas out last year. Yeah. They kind of want the odd man out songwriter, too, this, that from a different perspective. Cool. Yeah. How, how, did you, how, did, how did you feel doing that every single day with those CMT country. It was fine. We were on the Blue Bluebirds side stage. I call you know I call it like the freak tent. Yeah. You know, and then in between the acts, we would kind of zamboni play a couple songs in between the big acts. You know, so it was real. Uh, it was what it was. You know, right. it, for me, it was great. Just to you know, the people that run it are great. The people that were on the bus with me were great. It was more fun for that. Cool. The, the crowds. I mean, I think they. You know. It was fine, the ones that were there, but I think they could have taken it or leave it. You know, leave it. They were there to see Montgomery Ginger. Yeah, stuff like right, that. Correct. They were great. They were yeah. fun dudes, but, you know, what are you going to do? So you, you had already been touring for years and a few years, mm-hmm. several, whatever. Um, what do you learn from going on a big, huge tour like this? Do you learn anything else? Any new tricks? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you learn some things definitely when you play in front of 30,000 people. You know, it's like, yeah. for an, that's only like a few songs, you know, like I said, but... Um, yeah, uh, you learn big emotions. <laughs> you learn simplify the song. Nothing subtle will pick up. You know, you have to slow it. You have to bigger hits and sweeps. It's like you know, it's it's almost like uh, talking uh, like uh, talking to someone that's uh, concussed. <laughs> <laughs> It's a different deal. <laughs> uh, would you do something like that again? Oh, I'm absolutely, sure in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Good times. Cool. Um, 
Plus a gig is a gig, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is gonna like their work. Hey, yeah. A, day, a, di- a daily guaranteed audience that you don't have to work for. Exactly. Uh, would you? Re- what do you rather though? Would you rather play stuff like that or the like little dive bars you've been used to? The little dive bars, yeah, yeah. Or actually, what I'd rather do is play this, you know, and right. <laughs> like the Valentor, which is you know. How'd you get hooked up Great. with us? Uh, Chuck spent, you know, he's tried to get me out. He said uh, for a little while the Canadian one fell through. We were going to do a Canadian run. Uh, he just called me up. Uh, yeah, I'm really happy to be out here. His fans are great to play for. Uh, Dan's fans, Dan was from Alkaline, was on it. And uh, I'd opened up for against me before once or twice. God, that's weird. Yeah, and Little Rock. I mean, it's... it's uh, you know, it's it depends what part of the country you're at. You know, some people think a song is a song. I find the bigger cities and the further you go north and west, they they start to really identify things aesthetically. They're like, oh, well, this is how this sounds, and so it's this thing. But I find some cities they 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 just listen to a song. You know, I like uh, that about Little Rock. Little Rock. Little Rock's a lot like that. You know, White Water. Yeah, love the White Water. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, what's your favorite place to play? Actually, you just named what, it, man. Whitewater's my favorite place in the country. That, that's one of my favorite places I've ever been. Two Cow, well, I went out with Drag the River, and we played there to maybe 10 people. <laughs> and it was probably 40, but the night before we'd shown up, and Two Cow, Two Cow and Cheap Girls had played a, God, probably 100 people. I mean, it, it, it was that whole South by Southwest rush through mm-hmm. there, and then... Uh, and then I came back through with two cow and I can look at any son of a bitch a house in the uh, two cow garage ten year anniversary and it's 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 just consistently one of the best places I've ever. It's just like little little tiny stage in the corner of a shitty little, not even shitty, but you know like a little dive bar. Oh no, it's shitty, fantastic. <laughs> and, the pe- and the people I've met through there, like Travis Hill, oh, Mary yeah. from Lucero, Todd Bean, everybody I've met through there, it's just everybody's band fucking tested. yeah it's good really yeah. genuinely good people there yeah. and that, that makes it you know that carries it and the crowds are like that you know they'll when I come through with someone they don't know that's opening up for me they don't right. just sit in the back and smoke they'll stand right up front and just stand right up front <laughs> you know it's like they're they're genuinely thirsty and even if they're not they're the ones that aren't thirsty are enthusiastic and respectful you know and mm-hmm. so it's a it's cool when you're running a crowd like that and a lot of Chuck's crowds are like that you know because they I have done some touring, of course, with Lucero, and there's crossovers here and there, and the Snodgrass tour. So I have a foot sort of in the world, but a lot of these, you know, 90%, maybe, you know, some places where I do okay, 70% of the people don't know me. <laughs> and some of a lot of these places, 90% of these kids don't know me, and they're all, you know, all these yeah. shows have been going great. I, I'm going to go to Venture that 50% know you tonight. Yeah, you think? I don't know, man. I don't know, it's Denver. This is a good home base for you with the Denver, Snodgrass. Denver, and Denver treats me well. Suburban home and the yeah. Snodgrass uh, split you put out a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Suburban home. That's just good, very good. There's a couple of crossover songs on that. Aren't there on that yeah. album that are on this one? Like Tall Green? Is, I know, is it's, Tall Green? Uh, that, it put the corner on there. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I get no, songs it's all right. confused. Yeah. They all mash up in my head. Yeah, put um, the corner on there. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I'll, I'll get out of here so we can get ready. Oh, but, uh, so, uh, what can people expect after May 2nd? Just more touring? More touring. Uh, it's more touring. Uh, and then, in a year and a half, another record. Yeah. Have you started writing that record yet? Oh, I mean, you know, it's like I said, I, they're, they're written. Oh, I've got right. three of them written. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I've, oh. I'll play a song tonight that I'll probably end up on that I just wrote a couple weeks ago that it, that'll probably end up on it. And then I've got a bunch that I've written this year and... Um, who knows? Who knows what it's going to be? I don't. I haven't decided what kind of record it's going to be yet. I, I I like the cover. That's this is my last thing. Like, what was up with the cover? Like, it, it's what a woman wearing some kind of skull, naked it's, woman wearing a skull. Something it, no, like that? it's a, um, an alligator, paper mache alligator mask. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And some woman wearing it. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. What went in that? Why? Why that? Why not? Uh, well, uh, it was just more of a sort of a something I dreamt, and it's got the, it's got the. <laughs> boom box floating in the back with the tentacles coming out of it choking the birds and uh it's just i mean just mutt you know you're gonna gotta stay away from the the dog images or whatever but there's definitely a, a mutt of a cover and a mutt it's like sort of a sort of a mississippi swampy take on the virgin you know <laughs> it's like it's kind of a folk art cover right. i don't think anybody's gonna get that mostly people are gonna be like what if we just got a call from American songwriter today? They're like, "Yeah, we can't use that." So I've got to give them an alternate cover. I, I I do like that you call like you're not like you're not 
folk country, you're not country, you're mutt country or whatever, right? I just say mutt, you know, yeah. that's what, that's where it came from. Yeah. For the longest time, people are like, what kind of music you play? And I'm like, I find that they grasp it when you say mutt. It just, it's an easy, easily graspable thing. Everybody's nice. got that little dog they know. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, Corey, well, I'll get out of here. No, you're fine, man. Well, yeah. thanks, man. Thanks for sitting down with me. No worries. It's a pleasure. <laughs> All right, buddies. Uh, thanks again to Mr. Corey Brandon for sitting down, hanging out with me bullshit and talking with me thanks to chuck reagan and all those dudes for just doing the revival tour and making that thing happen uh it's really really great killer music and i'm gonna tell you a little side story that i probably shouldn't tell you i was in uh, alabama recently for a music festival didn't do any interviews just went and hung out saw some killer bands uh check out lee baines the third fucking fantastic and if you haven't checked out the glossary check them out too austin lucas is there a band called centromatic uh hooray for the riffraff great bands great dudes met all the uh this is american music dudes all great things uh my friend who i went with we got a hotel room she passed out at nine o'clock now i'm used to staying up till five o'clock colorado time i'm in alabama it's nine o'clock i've got nothing to do <laughs> so i get really rip 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 roaring drunk is sitting out on this, uh, the porch of this hotel, smoking cigars, drinking whiskey, and I'm listening to Hot Water Music in anticipation of the new album that comes out next week. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. And uh, Wayfarers comes on. Now, Wayfarers, if you've listened to the first episode of the Most of the Harmless Podcast, you will hear me talk at length about how uh, big an influence that has been on my life. And uh, so I'm sitting there on this fucking uh, patio, drunk as shit, and I've got Chuck Reagan's phone number, and I start texting the fool, like, Chuck, like, it's the very last night of the Revival Tour I find out on Facebook, and I write, Chuck, you don't have to write me back, buddy. I just wanted you to know that that song, Wayfair, has changed my life, and I wouldn't be sitting here outside a hotel room in Alabama if it wasn't for the words, it's a gamble, double down or don't, buddy. And so, Chuck Reagan, if you're listening to this, I apologize for the drunken text messages. I do have a rather large, huge man crush on you. Um, I won't get too explicit because my mother listens to this and I don't want her to know the things that, no. <laughs> anyway, guys. So yeah, Chuck Reagan, if there's a small chance you're listening to this out there, I'm sorry for drunk texting you. Uh, but thanks for letting me on your bus. Of course, this was a couple of weeks before before that happened so uh anyway thanks to the guys at bloodshot records for helping setting this interview up uh mutt comes out may 22nd i'm going to say that about three more times because i want you to go buy this record Corey's put a lot of time effort and energy into it um before we go oh and before i get to the before we go part make sure you check out tonks.org i uh, thank them very much for the free coffee uh really cool dudes talk to them a little bit and uh i'm really excited to hopefully we'll keep working with them and doing some uh doing some other promotions and cross promotions and yada 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 really cool dudes check them out tonx.org uh they're also on facebook and speaking of facebook make sure you go find us on facebook i've been getting a lot of really awesome emails and messages from people out there uh this one dude I, i'm paraphrasing i can't remember his name i've got a actually i got a package right here i'm about to send to him eric eric olstadt Oldstot. I don't know who he is. Um, he sent me an email and said, uh, hey, man, I just accidentally stumbled upon your uh, interview with Ben Nichols. And you know what? Your desire for change is infectious. And I'm paraphrasing, but it was one of those very powerful things I got in an email. And uh, I'm kind of a manic depressive dude. Um, I get really high and low. I, apparently, it's really common with people create things. I don't really create anything. I just fucking get drunk and interview bands and make ass out of myself. But really... Any any kind of feedback really really helps fuel this thing. That's another reason why it's been it's taken so long to get up there. Is just I'm not really motivated, and I feel like you know you're just putting things out there in the universe and nobody cares. But getting an email like that really does like change my day, changes my week, changes my life. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I couldn't do this without you guys. Uh, again, I'm sorry I'm rambling. I'm a little sick, so cold meds are kicking in. And fuck yeah, dude, Nyquil kicks ass. Uh, so anyway, we're gonna end this uh, with a little. Uh, track from mr Corey brandon now i was gonna do another track off mutt his new album coming out this is a song off mutt but there is a, a distinct difference between Corey's live shows and his albums and i really wanted to demonstrate that i recorded some live stuff from the revival tour in denver but it really just didn't come out too well uh you could just hear everybody in the crowd around me talking through it all and you know singing along and whatnot and i really didn't think it was that good of uh, representation of his live show. Now the live show was fine. It's just my recording sucked. Uh, so if you go over the inner on the internet and you go to archive.org, there's a fucking ton of uh, free bootleg concerts. Just 
up there, Creative Commons license. I think I think this is a Creative Commons license. Uh, this the show that I'm pulling this track from uh, was recorded in Chicago in 2007. Now, this song has existed since 2007. It's one of my favorite Corey Brandon songs. I can't believe it just took him till just now to get it on a record. Uh, I used to know it as Summertime, or you know, I'd be like, hey, Corey, you going to play that Johnny Cougar Mellencamp song? And he'd be like, oh, yeah, buddy, we got that. And uh, But now on the new record, it's called Yesterday. And, of course, again, Mutt, May 22nd, Bloodshot Records. Thank you, Bloodshot Records, for uh, sending me a free record. They got pre-order and stuff up there right now. You should go to Corey Brandon's website and just fucking pre-order the record and save yourself some time. It's a great record. Maybe, uh, yeah, get on. Hey, Bloodshot, give me some free records. Let's give some stuff away. Let's do some... Uh, I scratch your back, you uh, scratch my back type things. Anyway, uh, so yeah, this uh, this is a pretty good little live recording from that. Um, and check out archive.org. Just type in Corey Brandon. Type in some of your favorite artists. You find some really cool taped shows on there. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's really about it for this week's episode. <laughs> Cold meds are kicking in, buddies. Uh, so yeah, make sure you check out mostofthehomelesspodcast.com. Uh, find us on Facebook. Leave me some email. Leave me some iTunes review love. Uh, really, really do appreciate all that stuff. Visit tonks.org. If you decide to subscribe, please let them know you heard about uh, them through us. Um, and yeah, guys, we're just let's let's get the fuck out of here. Um, I'm gonna go uh, go to sleep. I'm gonna wake up in the morning. I'm gonna drink a French press full of uh, tonks.org. Uh, but the song is called. Um, Yesterday, a.k.a. Summertime, a.k.a. Johnny Cougar Mellencamp song. And, uh, yeah, let's just go for it, guys. Mutt, May 22nd, Corey Brandon, Bloodshot Records. Thanks, guys. Good night. I saw, uh, I got to see Elvis Costello and Traxxas. They came, or the, excuse me, the imposters. They came to, uh, play, jeez. <laughs> Skiffle. Uh, so they came to play in Memphis uh, a couple years back. It was one of my, my girlfriend, uh, one of our first dates, because I rule as a boyfriend. <laughs> uh, so I scored his tickets, and uh, so we go, and it's a club, and he, sh- he shot a DVD there. It was, uh, uh, it's 200 people could fit in the club, so he plays for 200 people. It's awesome. Uh, my point when I get to it is that he had a strap that was sort of this color scheme, but really, really, really ugly. And so he's like, really, you know, it's cool. He just comes out there, and he's just the coolest, coolest, man. He's got mirror ball boots. They're like disco ball mirrors all over his boot. It's the, oh. It was awesome. Uh, but then he has a strap with like purple and teal lizards all around it. And I just could, I could, I was like, oh. It's like, pump it up. I was like, take it off. Um, so, you know, we can do. It's British. <laughs> I like how I say that just like it's an insult. <laughs> He, I, he's British, man. Something wrong with him. <laughs> we won. I ain't gonna wear red and get in a big old line. Let you shoot me. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Uh, that mention I have been drinking. Let's see. Oh, oh, here's the new one. Uh, if you're like me, you would pretend you want to pretend that you came out of the womb, like listening to Fugazi or something cool, or you know, at least the second "Color Me Bad" record. But uh, that's one of those instances where you don't want to be. I was there first. Yes, you were. Uh, so, uh, so, but it's not true. If you're like me and you grew up in my in my generation, you uh, you love John Cougar Mellencamp just as much as. I- Completely sans irony. Hey, thanks for the strap, man. And it was undeniably summer, and I was certifiably cool. With my acid wash jacket and my stone wash jeans, I rose out of the kiddie pool. You were a walking one ad, you had summer on your side. And our front yards faced each other's from across the great divide. And the sun beats crack like jumper cables, little Johnny Cougar Melly Camp. And you were dancing barefoot on a picnic table, and damn it, girl, truly, god damn it, girl, truly, god damn it, girl, truly, god damn it.
It's really dirty. I'm sorry. Uh, hey, girls, and this is a little trick I, I came up with. If I was a girl, I totally would've done this. Instead, I had this done to me. Uh, ladies, if you want to break his heart, uh, pick whatever blooms in the spring in his hometown. Whatever's the most fragrance. Fragrance. Fragrant. Did I mention? So you just find. You know, for me, it's honeysuckle. Mississippi honeysuckle is just crazy. Just retarded with honeysuckle right now. So, uh, this girl I used to date, she took honeysuckle and she dried it and she put it in her uh, her underwear. So I associate that with things that would pretty much stand on their own. Uh, but now when I smell the honeysuckle. But you kept some honeysuckle in that bottom dresser drawer. Now every spring, both knees buckle, both knees buckle, and I hit the floor. I hit the floor every spring with a hint of a scent of a thought of that thing. Thank you. 